0: We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits, and more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I am Mary Jo Parish, founder of Kingdom Builders, And today's episode is Living in the Light. And just so you know, you are always loved and you are always welcome here. So I always like to start off with some funny stories because the Lord loves to hear us laugh. I grew up in the country and so in the country you have dogs and they don't wear clothes um, and they live outside. And so that's, how I was brought up, like dogs are outside creatures and the Lord gave them fur so they remain outside. And that's very different in today's world. So when I was looking for a comfy chair to put in the corner of our bedroom, I was looking for something that I could like sit with the toddlers and read books to them or like sit in the corner, like pray my rosary or whatever. And um, I found this really amazing looking chair on Wayfair for $86. And I was so excited it's the right color. I'm like, the price was so good. And um, I didn't notice like the cat in the background or the tiny porcelain dog in the corner. I just thought that was decoration. And so I showed my husband and I'm like, Bill, look how cute this chair is. It is like perfect and it's only $86. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. And he's like, Marjorie, are you being serious? And I said, yes. And he's like thinking I want to buy it. A- <laughs> Obviously, you can probably tell it's a dog bed. I'm going to buy a dog bed for a bedroom so that I can sit in there and read the little books and pray my rosary. He's like, honey, I don't think it's going to be big enough. Like, I just don't think it's a good idea. And then I'm thinking, like, it's not big enough? Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, wanting to take offense to me not fitting in the chair. And then he's like, you did see it was a considered a plush dog sofa, right? And then I saw the wording, and I was like, oh, yes, a plush dog sofa. That's why it's only $86. So needless to say, I did not buy that beautiful, beautiful plush dog sofa. I'm still looking for the right chair. But we got a good laugh out of it. So my son started kindergarten um, at one of the Catholic private schools here. And in kindergarten, they have to wear belts. And so Joseph is... Passionately against what he calls church clothes, so he actually so against them that when we go to church, he wears silky shorts and a silky shirt underneath his church clothes so that as soon as he gets back in the vehicle, he can remove the church clothes and he'll immediately be in comfortable clothes, also so those things don't touch his body. Uh, very sensitive to any what he calls like crispy fabric. So I'm like stressed about how he's going to wear church clothes every single day to school. And then I read something about the belt and I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to handle a belt? So I'm on the little, you know, parent Facebook page and I was like, does anyone have any like helpful hints for belts? Like I haven't raised kids before. I've raised eight before them, but apparently, you know, you get to the last few and I'm like weak and wimpy. And so my kids become super picky. So these much better parents than I am know about these belts that are magnetic. And so that's an idea. I'm like, okay, I could do a magnetic belt. And then this one mom says, you can get this melt that's like Velcro and they're called myself belts. It's really cool. It like loops around one end and it just pops open, but it looks like a real belt, but it's totally not. It's like a Velcro, but it definitely like checks all the boxes and Joseph can get it on and off really easily. And so I was like, oh, it's so awesome. Well, and he came in the mail and I'm like, just... I'm all about like how the Lord like inspires people to create different designs. So I'm enamored with this belt and I'm super excited. And I'm telling my teenage son, I hold up this belt, which is probably, you know, like, I don't know, like 13 inches around. And I'm like, honey, look at this myself belt. I got the myself belt. Isn't this cool? And he's like looking at me super strange. And all he heard is I got myself a belt, a knot. I got a myself belt, and he's looking at me, and he finally says, Mom, that's not going to fit you, and I was like, it's not for me. It's for Joseph, and he's like, oh, well, then why'd you keep calling it a belt for yourself, and I'm like, no, that's the name of the company, and so we're kind of laughing about it, i saw my 19-year-old son, I'm like laughing, so I'm like, want to share the funny story with him. I say the same thing, hold up the bell, and Aiden thought that I blah, 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 and he looks at me, and he said, Mom, that is not going to fit you. That might fit around your thigh. That is not going to fit you. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I had whole, explain the whole thing. So all of us got a lot of laughter about the myself belts, but I'm still an advocate for them. They're awesome. All right, let's pray. And even the, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear Him. He has shown might with His arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry He has filled with good things, the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped Israel His servant, remembering His mercy according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation. So if you've heard this a million times, I apologize, but it's always good to hear it again. We have a foundation of three things. We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day that allows us to just receive the Father's love for 10 minutes a day, minimum. We go to church on Sundays. That's a divine commandment. We're going to honor that. And then we're staying in a state of grace. So if we're struggling with any mortal sin, we're getting to a self-help group, to reconciliation, we're therapy, whatever we need to do. So we're getting all the graces that our Lord wants to give us. There's nothing blocking them. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. So today we're talking about living in the light. So we know in Genesis, in the beginning, God created all these beautiful things, the night and day and land and animals. And he said all of those were good. And when he got to the point where he created Adam, where he created the human being, he said, it is very good. It is very good. So we're God's children. He calls us his children because he gave us gifts that make us like him. Two of those are our intellect, our ability to think and reason. Should I do that? Should I not? And then our free will, our ability to choose. So, like the animals work off instinct, right? They don't ask questions. Why did you buy me this type of dog food today? Right? Because they don't have the same intellect. They don't have the free will. They work off just instinct. We have intellect and free will. And that's what kind of separates us out. So, going back to the whole children thing, we know that, and us being God's children, we know that biological children resemble their parents oftentimes. However, even adopted children, take on some of the parents' mannerisms, and they can end up looking like them. So if we have two adopted daughters, and I've been told many times, oh my gosh, Shelby looks just like you. Oh my goodness, Kendra looks just like you. And they actually are not biologically related to me, but they do take on characteristics and mannerisms and the way we say things and stuff. And so they do naturally start to look like us, even though they're actually not biologically mine they're totally mine. Those are my girls. So we too resemble God because we were created in his image and his likeness. So we all have this royal blood running through our veins. We're his children. We're his chosen one. There is stuff that could make us look less like him. Think to yourself, what would make us look less like him? And that would be sin. I bet all of you have already guessed that. So sinning deforms those gifts. It deforms those gifts he gave us. So what it does to the intellect is it darkens it. It darkens the intellect. What's it do to the will? It weakens the will. So it darkens the intellect and weakens the will. So we remember that the gifts of free will and intellect are the traits that make us in the image and likeness of God. So we also know that if we have lived an area of our life in darkness, when it's finally exposed to the light of God, it actually can feel harsh. So I don't know if you, any of you remember like back when we used to go to movies, <laughs> so long ago, it feels like a different world. When, especially during the day, if you would go to a movie and then you would come out and it was light, it's like, oh, the like, like hurt your eyes, you like cover it. And that's very similar to if we're like living in darkness when we're living in that sin, and then we come out, and then God's light shines on us. If we become accustomed to that moral darkness, our thinking becomes distorted. And then the light of God's truth can feel like obnoxious, even painful. It can feel hateful or offensive. But yet he's still calling us to come to live in that light. That's what we were created for. And Jesus says, And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives in truth comes to the light, so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. That's from the chapter of John three. And it reminded me of this time I went to this party with my husband, a couple of our kids, and had a really good time. And we got home and I was going to the bathroom and gonna brush my teeth. And I kind of like half like smiled, like half opened my mouth, and there was this like big black thing. In between, not my front teeth, but like one over. It's a big black like chunk of something. I don't even know how I didn't feel it. And I was like, Bill, why did you not tell me I had something in my teeth? And he said, I didn't want to embarrass you. So then I contemplated like the hours I spent at this party with these different people after we had eaten, talking and laughing and telling stories and like replayed that in my head, like how embarrassing that is. We, I mean, hopefully you're with me on this. Like we desire to know if something's in our teeth, right? Like if there's something in there, I want to know what's in there. I am sure you feel the same way, but we also want to ask that of the Lord, like Lord illuminate any sins, blocking the fullness of your grace, illuminate those for me. Because sometimes we're not even aware of them, right? Because we know that sinning darkens the intellect. So, like, Lord, illuminate those sins so that I know, this is from Psalm 19, cleanse me from my unknown faults, from wanton sin especially. Restrain your servant. Let it not rule over me. Then shall I be blameless and innocent of serious sin. So we asked Jesus to come in and reveal our sin. And then we cut off anything that's not of him. We just remove it. So, this is from chapter nine of Mark. And I'm sure it will be familiar to you because it's pretty harsh. Sometimes we need a little harsh, right? Like, whew, that's reality. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands go into Gehenna. We all know Gehenna is hell, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, Cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Right? Like, okay, Lord, I want you to, to reveal to me anything that I am not aware of. And then I want to cut it off because I don't want to end up going to hell, right? That is not what I want, right? We know the result of sin. What would keep us from cutting off the sin? What would hold us back from that? Let's just be real. Let's be raw and real. I love just saying it how it is. Sometimes the enemy can convince us to be afraid of cutting off the sin. We can fear losing a pleasure or a person when we cut off sin. This quote is from Neil Lozano. He's the author of Unmound. Just as love is the language of God, fear is the language of the devil. So I was talking to this young man, this is a few months ago, and he financially struggles. And he was telling me that when he's in between houses, sometimes he finds a good place to stay is the goodwill box that he will climb in the opening, and stay the night in the goodwill box. And the one thing that they taught us in foster care is no matter what people say, you just roll with it. You don't act like super shocked or anything like that. I just was like listening and pretending I wasn't really bothered by that because I've driven past goodwill boxes. Like I've put things in goodwill boxes. I've never known that someone stayed nights in there or maybe even days if it's really cold anyways, he wasn't saying it because he was like trying to be victim-y or anything like that. He was telling me because it was a funny story. Because one time when he jumped in the Goodwill box, his buddy saw him and said, hey, dude, how are you? And he's like, my buddy was in there. And that was so nice to have my buddy and me, you know, in that Goodwill box together. And, you know, he was just laughing and chatting about it. And, uh, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I kept praying about it, praying for homeless people. I'm like, Lord, why is this bothering me so much? And then after a few days of just praying with it, the Lord kind of just laid this on my heart. You too sometimes live in a box. You get used to being surrounded in the dilapidation of sin. You even have convinced yourself that some of your sin is funny or cute, but it's not. Sin blocks my grace. It deforms the gifts I gave you. Do not forget you are royalty. You are made for so much more. I desire you to claim your worth and your authority and get out of the box. Take my hand. Do not be afraid. I have so much more for you. He's calling us to get out of that box and to live in his light. This is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age. So if the enemy has convinced you, like, Oh, I can't give it up. I need that person or I need that pleasure. Like the Lord promises you that it will be given a hundredfold more in this present age. So just recognize that. That's just a lie to the enemy, okay? You don't have to be scared of cutting that off, cutting off that sin. You don't have to be scared of it. But sometimes the enemy can use another tactic. He can convince us that we can't cut it off because we need that sin, we actually need it. And the one example I have is for me personally is I'm an ex-smoker. So years ago when I knew I should be quitting smoking, I just couldn't do it. Like just couldn't do it because the enemy kept saying you will have no pleasure in your life if you give up smoking. None. You'll have no pleasure. All your life will be suffering if you give up this one pleasure. And I read the statistic that 14 years is the lifespan that smoking takes off your life, and I thought, my gosh, that is so much of my kids or my grandkids' life, you know, in the future that I could, I, I have to stop this. So, I just accepted that I wouldn't have any pleasure in my life, but I still was going to quit. And of course, that was a lie, of Satan. Right? Of course, there's pleasure. There's still pleasure, and even food tastes better. And I'm not constantly thinking, oh my gosh, when's the next time I can get a cigarette, like. Where's a good place I can smoke? Like, it's just like there's freedom. When the sin is finally cut off, like he tells us all these lies, but the bottom line is it feels good because there's freedom and we were created to be free. And we just know we can choose to live in faith or we can choose to live in fear, but we can only choose one. And the Lord says, come live in faith. There's freedom there. Come live in faith. There's freedom there. And he says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? God is good. God is so good, and he has something so much better than sin waiting for us. He's inviting us to get out of that box. This is from St. Augustine. God is always trying to give us good things, but our hands are too full to receive them. And that's just so true. So another tactic the enemy uses to convince us not to cut it off is he convinces us that we won't be accepted, you know? Like, oh, Well, if I'm not doing this, I won't really be accepted. And so this is just a reminder. We are not meant to fit in. We are meant to be different. Why? Because we're royalty. Our beliefs, our values, our words, our actions should be different than the rest of the world. If they're the same, there's a problem. What's holy mean? To be holy, what does that mean? It means to be set apart, and you were created to be set apart. God's chosen us to be set apart from the world, and that can be a little scary. Really, it can be a little scary, but also, truthfully, it's kind of exciting. This is from G.K. Chesterton. Love this stuff. Each generation is converted by the saint who contradicts it the most. Be that saint. Be the saint that contradicts the culture be that saint. That's who God's raising us up to be. That may mean that God is leading you to different friendships. That's kind of scary, right? Because if your friends aren't leading you to holiness, God desires change in your life. Like, oh my gosh, where do I even begin? Like all new friendships or, you know, how do I lead my group of friends to holiness? I'm not sure what to do. I actually have a resource for you. So if you go to our website, buildingthroom.com, and you click on build through us, there's a little section that comes down that says Mosaic Small Groups. Click on that. We have material for you. Okay, there's an answer for that. God wants your holiness. He wants you set apart. So another tactic of the enemy. Sometimes fighting sin can feel overwhelming. It's just like, oh my gosh, the enemy seems too big and too strong. Is it even possible? Ugh, I've been let's say have been struggling with sin for decades. Is it even possible? Well, Mark ten twenty seven. For human beings, it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. All things are possible for God. And thinking about that, it kind of reminds me of David and Goliath. You guys remember this? Goliath seemed unstoppable. He was like telling the Israelites that he's the best and he's going to dominate them. And he's like making fun of them and everyone's shaking in their boots. They're all scared. David wasn't. David's like, are you kidding me? I kill lion, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. Because God's with me, you know? Like, I'm not afraid of that giant. I have God, right? And so I want to read this to you. This is David speaking. And I want you to claim this Bible verse and speak over any sin or any burden that you're carrying. You remember to whom you belong. You remember who's beside you, who's with you always. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And that's what you can tell your demons, your struggles. You belong to the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. And just like God was with David, God is with us too. And he's calling us to live in his light, to claim that and live in his light. And so if we think about David and his slingshot, if he's, you know, deciding which stones he's going to pick up or which rocks, sometimes the Lord illuminates certain rocks that we can use in our own battle. So let's talk about a few of those. One rock would be the sacraments, specifically the Eucharist and reconciliation. So we know that the sacraments are the greatest form of grace on earth they're the greatest form of grace on earth. So grace is poured into us and we are actually changed into becoming more like God. Is that crazy? It's crazy. How does that happen? Because our free will and our intellect become stronger and more clear so that we more easily reflect God and we battle more easily. It's just battles are just easier. I always think of myself, when I get out of reconciliation, I feel like I have this armor on me because the battle isn't as hard. Why? Because all the grace that's poured into me during the sacrament of reconciliation, and you have that same opportunity. Okay, another rock is using the name of Jesus. And we talk about, you know, renounce, remove, receive a lot in Kingdom Builders. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a lot of our previous podcasts talk about the power in renouncing, removing, and receiving. This is what I want to talk about today, though. So if we know that we're about to sin, like something that we can say very quickly is using the name of Jesus. It's called the Jesus Prayer. And you can speak this aloud throughout the day, every day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or some people just shorten it. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay? So this is immediate like rock you can throw. It's a very simple and very easy. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. When anytime you're struggling with a temptation, you can use that in your battle. Okay, so we got the rock of the sacraments. We got the rock of the Jesus prayer. Now we have the rock of scripture. This is from fourth chapter of Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Okay, so we know the word is living and effective. So how are we going to use this, right? So I'm reading about this early church father, and I'm just going to like show you how pathetically prideful I am sometimes. But he lives back in the 300s, so we're talking fourth century, and I'm thinking, you know, this guy isn't going to you know, enlighten me to anything I don't already know how embarrassing that was. He is like a rock star. His name is it's E-V-A-G-R-U-I-S, so Evigrius of Pontus. He writes this book called Talking Back. So when the demons whisper a thought to us, and as long as we're living and breathing, they're going to be whispering thoughts, okay? But he says, like, how we can talk back to combat specific demons, specific thoughts with God's word. So in this book, it's very specific. It's very specific. But St. Gregory of Nazanus uses this book to actually create the seven deadly sins. So, if you're familiar with like pride, lust, grief, envy, sloth, wrath, gluttony, those all came from this early church father. So, if you're like, okay, I want to know a little bit more about this, we actually have this on our website. It's a printable PDF document. So, if you go to com, you click on resources, and then on September gathering notes, I have all of our, our Bible quotes and then stuff about this awesome early church father. So, I was like, all right, I'm going to test this out. I struggle with being kind of addicted to my phone, especially when it comes to social media. And so I'm like, okay, I really don't need to check Facebook for the 62nd time today. I'm going to use that Bible quote that this uh, Evie Grias talks about. So I want to look at my phone and instead I say, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, Romans 13, 14 make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The desire to check my phone actually went away. I was like, what? Imagine that, that God's word is living and effective. It actually is. And so he has all these different examples. So on that printout on our website, there's a lot of different examples. And these are just some of the ones that he has, but there's a lot more. So, okay, we're going to use the sacrament. We're going to use the name of Jesus and we're going to use the word. What else? We got two more rocks. Okay. Fourth rock is the rosary. So people are like, sometimes like, oh, rosary. Oh, I'm not sure. So if you just think of praying, the rosary is like resting with Mary and letting her show us the life of her son. She's a mother to all of us, not just Catholics. Um, if I'm in church and my kids are like misbehaving in the pew I can look down there and give them like the mom look and then they like straighten up like they're a little bit afraid of me as they should be I love them but there's a little bit of fear. Mary's our mom and so she gives one look to those demons that mom look and they scurry because she is so fiercely protective of her children. If we think about like the terminology that people use like when they're talking about someone being really overprotective even if they're talking about a guy they don't say oh he went all papa bear no when they're talking about someone being protective they say oh they went all mama bear why because as a mama i can tell you no one's going to mess with my kids like hell have no fury except a woman trying to protect her children and that is exactly how our lady is towards her children she crushes demons to protect her children. So use our intellect here, right? So God gave us this gift. Use the intellect. Why do you think that the enemy desires to block this prayer? You know, you hear so many people saying, "Oh, Catholics worship Mary." No, we don't. We ask for her prayers. Why doesn't the enemy want us to pray the Rosary? Even devout Catholics, I see them. They're like, oh yeah, the Rosary's not really my thing." Hmm. Why do you think the enemy doesn't want us praying the rosary? Because he doesn't want us to have her protection. He doesn't want us to have it because he knows she crushes demons. She does. He wants us vulnerable. So you have a choice. Do you want to listen to Satan or do you want to be protected by your mama? You're meant for that. This is from St. Louis, De Montfort. The rosary is the most powerful weapon to touch the heart of Jesus our redeemer, who loves his mother, loves his mother. Okay. Our final rock. Okay. So we have all these different rocks that we can use in battle. Fasting. Okay. And as Americans, we like to have it all, don't we? We like the dessert. We like a second dessert. We like a third dessert with a special cup of coffee. We like it all. Right. And so fasting is actually so underused in our world today. There's so much power in fasting. So like in the Gospel of Mark, a man brings his son to the disciples and he's possessed, but the disciples cannot get out the demon. And they're like, hey, Jesus, what do we do? And Jesus says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So let's say you're like, oh, Mary Jo, I have low blood sugar and I passed out or whatever. And it's like, yes, yeah, so that's true. Like you have to be careful. So then is just fasting just out for you. Nope, it's not, because you can fast from lots of different things. You can fast from chocolate. If you really have chocolate, you can fast from coffee. You can fast from cream in your coffee. You can fast from social media. You can fast from shopping. You can fast from screens. You can fast from so many things. I will say, of everything that I've fasted from, food is the most powerful. It is. When I fast from food in a deep state of prayer in the midst of that fasting, I've seen so many miracles come forth from that the one thing we never fast from ever is water, okay? We don't fast from water. And always, if you're fasting, it's good to have someone kind of just saying, letting someone else know what's going on. Like, hey, I'm going to fast for this on this day. And maybe they to fast for something else on a different day, but just to keep someone else in the loop. That's always healthy. So we kind of train ourselves to say no and fast from things that bring us pleasure. And it strengthens us in all these other areas. It just flows over. So where vice grows, more vice grows. Where virtue grows, more virtue grows. And you see this when you fast. You tell the flesh, no, you're not going to have that. And all of a sudden you have more self-control in all these other areas. So we can use these rocks of faith to assist us in our battle, right? We don't have to waste any time on temptations. When Satan tempts us, we silence him by choosing a rock, and whipping it. So let's say you're like, oh my gosh, there's all these things to choose from. I'm not sure. Mm -mm. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me a sinner. You just throw out the Jesus prayer. Or if you're just like, you can't think of anything and you're really tempted, do the sign of the cross or just say, Jesus, Jesus, over and over. Use his name. Use the power of his name. Sometimes the enemy can whisper to us, what's the point? It's too hard. You'll eventually fail. Don't even bother trying to cut it off because you're going to fail anyway. So just take a step back. Remember, why are we battling? Why do we fight sin? Why not just give in, you know? Oh my gosh, it's too hard. I'm just going to give in. Because we're called to live in His light. My brothers and sisters, we are called to live in the light. He wants us out of that darkness. He wants greater peace and joy for us on earth. But most importantly, He wants us to bask in His light eternally in heaven, right? To so Psalm ninety twelve, teach us to number our days, that we may gain wisdom of heart. We know this is not our final home. Amen. Amen. This is not our final home. We have a final destination, and we choose where that is. We get to choose where that is. So I was. This is a couple months ago. It's been a really really hot summer, and it was super hot. And I went grocery shopping with my four and six year old and. We got back home, and they came inside as I was bringing in groceries, and I was, you know, putting stuff away, and there's always a lot of groceries, so there's a lot. And I see my six-year-old playing Play-Doh on the table, and I don't see my four-year-old. And I actually, normally, that wouldn't even, like, bother me, except something's, something was like, you need to check on him. And I always just think it's probably his guardian angel coming to my guardian angel and my guardian angel saying, handle it. And so I start yelling all around the house, Sebastian, Sebastian, Sebastian. So, you know, he's number 10. I'm sure he's fine because I've raised nine kids before him. I'm like, he's probably fine until he doesn't answer. Then I go outside and it's really hot outside and I have a black SUV and I'm calling for him, Sebastian, Sebastian. And, uh, I start to panic because he's not answering. And I say a little prayer to Jesus. Jesus help me find my child. And then the Black SUV door opens, and Sebastian pops out his head. His head is wet with sweat, dripping wet with sweat, and his face is bright red. And he said, I'm in here, Mom. And, um, like, he was blinking hard because the sweat was pouring in his eyes. And I, like, immediately grabbed him and brought him inside and cooled him down. And I don't know, like, like if I would have just let that instinct to check on your child go because he's four and a half. Like, it's not like I'm, I am constantly aware of every second he goes and plays in the basement sometimes, you know, it's like they go play Legos for hours sometimes, but I couldn't let go of the fact that he could have died out there. He could have died out there in that hot truck. It was so hot, but I had never warned him. I had never said, don't go into a vehicle if it's not running and no one's out there. Because he thought Joseph was seeking him. He's like, me paying hide and seek with Joseph. And I was like, Joseph's not seeking you. No one's seeking you. You're just basically dying in a car. And so I had to talk to him about, like, you can die in a hot car. And, you know, like, oh my gosh, I was upset for so long after that. And I kept praying about it, praying about it. And the Lord just laid this on my heart. As much as you love your children, I love them infinitely more. Every human being is my child. You are sick because your child almost died in a hot car. Imagine my heart when even one of my children chooses the eternal fires of hell. Some of my children don't even know they are in danger. Teach them to fight. Proclaim to them my mercy. Remind them of my love. I am their champion. I will never be defeated. I chose each of them, and I am beside them always. Lord, we just come to you. We just ask you to allow us to live fully in your light, to cut off anything that's not of you, that blocks us from the fullness of your light and your love. Give us the courage to lead other people to your light, and let us cry out in unity to every human being about your love and your mercy, so that we can bring them home, so that you can bring them home into your arms.